The Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's We gather in the spirit of one who wrote, Unite the pair so long disjoined, Knowledge and vital piety, Learning and holiness combined, Truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered here in the praise of God for our gathered congregation within Marsh Chapel. For our radio congregation this morning across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence right here with us. We welcome you. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We pause, beloved, to recognize week by week our fragility, our mortality, our limitation. There are times when we can go it alone, but there are far more times when we get by with a little help from our friends. We think of our current condition, and our radio listener, Dr. Chris Cayley at Yale, has been reading with us in the work of Reinhold Niebuhr this winter. Niebuhr wrote in Children of Light, Children of Darkness, a consistent optimism in regard to man's ability and inclination to grant justice to his fellows obscures the perils of chaos which perennially confront every society, including a free society. In one sense, a democratic society is particularly exposed to dangers of confusion. If these perils are not appreciated, they may overtake a free society and invite the alternative evil of tyranny. As the choir sings, may we consider our time our place, our condition. Let us pray.
With glad hearts may we receive good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading Psalm 95 responsibly with the antiphon. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. When your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed the gen generation and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger I swore, they shall not enter my rest. Beloved, please rise as you are able for the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of the hymn.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me? a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah. Can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, For months more then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. 
Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. be seated. A spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The gospel is our spoken gift of faith. Some will have seen the recent film La La Land and recall the haunting soulful tune that knits that story together. That phrase of music is the refrain from which the story takes wing and to which it returns moment by moment. As your life and soul life return again and again to the gospel, a spoken gift of faith, the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Spoken, sung, sung. Every bird sings faith over the globe through all time. Thurman loved penguins, odd and remote, in their dress and their song. Listen. Along the Charles, in the spring, we make way for goslings and ducklings. Then early in the summer mornings out in the farmland where we live in the summer, the northeastern tip of Appalachia and where we will be buried, where we are at home, at dawn, each dawn, a rooster. 
Two eagles, they too mate for life as in Christian marriage, soaring. Imagine their music. The owl at night, a swan song. The gospel is a bird in song and all nature sings. And even if or when the preaching of the gospel by human imperfection abates as it does threaten to do, bird song will carry the tune. God can preach God's gospel through birdsong. Spoken as well, Derek Walcott of blessed memory of Boston University, a Methodist. I seek, as climate seeks its style, to write verse crisp as sand, clear as sunlight, cold as the curled wave, ordinary as a tumbler of island water. Father Raymond Brown judged our passage today, John 4, to be the loveliest, finest narrative in the fourth gospel. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, meets Jesus and meets us in conversation. She is the quintessential conversationalist. And what a wonder is there in the faintest conversation, let alone this dominical discussion. Ours today from John 4 is holy, telling conversation full of the unexpected, full of surprise, full of the utterly personal, full of revelation, full of boundary-breaking courage, full of what is saving, healthy, lasting, meaningful, real, and good. Conversation thrives when you know your content, your work, and your audience. There is a mystery lurking under the disarming surface of the simplest conversation. My friend says her favorite two words are awe and conversation. We could add that the two are not very far removed or apart from each other. It may have been that the community which gave birth to the Gospel of John included some Samaritans. This would explain the prominence of this long, intricate passage devoted to the conversation of Jesus with a Samaritan woman. The Samaritans were outsiders. Here, one of their own takes center stage. In our time, when those outside, immigrant, refugee, poor, different, other, are steadily subjected to heightened measures of exclusion, we benefit from reminders like this, this Lord's Day from John 4, that we are called as people of faith, called as Christian people to care succor, attention, and protection of the least among us. The larger question, and it is very much an open question, is whether the humiliation spreading out right now through civil society and culture, wherein inherited precious forms of civil society are daily shredded with a gratuitous cruelty, coming now to us over the next decade, will chasten us, humble us, and will in that way strengthen us by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He it is today who announces his own presence and lordship in the course of a meandering conversation. I am he, the one who is speaking to you, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Throughout the year 2017 at Marsh Chapel, we are engaged in ministry with attention to conversation, 
Our National Summer Preacher Series will engage in conversation about new directions in discipleship. This Lenten series is held in conversation with Henry Nouwen. Over the past decade, Lent by Lent, we'd identified a theological conversation partner for the Lenten sermons, broadly speaking, out of the Calvinist tradition. For the next decade, we turn to the Catholic tradition. Over the next decade, beginning this Lent, the Marsh pulpit, a traditionally Methodist one, will turn left, not right, toward Rome, not Geneva, and we will preach with and learn from the Roman Catholic tradition. We began March 5th with Henry Nouwen and Sacrament, continuing last week with Nouwen and Reaching Out, and today, Nouwen and the Life of the Beloved. The internationally renowned priest and author, respected professor and beloved pastor Henry Nouwen wrote over 40 books on the spiritual life. He corresponded regularly in English, Dutch, German, French, and Spanish with hundreds of friends and reached out to thousands through his Eucharistic celebrations, lectures, and retreats. Since his death in 1996, ever-increasing numbers of readers, writers, teachers, and seekers have been guided by his literary legacy. Nouwen's books have sold over 8 million copies and been published in 28 languages. Born in Holland, 1932, Nouwen felt called to the priesthood at a very young age. He was ordained in 1957 as a diocesan priest, studied psychology at the Catholic University of Nijmegen. In 1964, he moved to the United States to study at the Menninger Clinic. He went on to teach at the University of Notre Dame and the Divinity Schools of Yale and Harvard. For several months during the 1970s, Nouwen lived and worked with the Trappist monks in the Abbey of the Genesee in upstate New York. And in early 1980s, he lived with the poor in Peru. In 1985, he was called to join L'Arche in Trousley, France, the first of over 100 communities founded by Jean Vanier, where people with developmental disabilities live with assistance. A year later, Nouwen came to make his home at L'Arche Daybreak near Toronto, Canada. He died suddenly on September 21, 1996, in Holland and is buried in Richmond Hill, Ontario. Nouwen believed that what is most personal is most universal, he wrote. By giving words to these intimate experiences, I can make my life available to others. Nouwen dedicated his life to the practice of genuine conversation, genuine faithfulness. He eschewed the false formal and prized the personal in piety. A story from the same period from Charles Rice at Drew, Nouwen would have loved. A few years ago, Rice spoke about the servant of the servants of God. He told about an Easter when he was in Greece. He sat in the Orthodox Church and watched the faithful in devotions. There was a great glass icon of Christ to which, following prayers, women and men would move and then kneel, and as they rose, they kissed the glass icon. Every so often, a woman dressed in black would emerge from the shadows with some cleanser or Windex and a cloth and would clean the image, making it clear again. washing clean the image again and freeing it from so much encrusted piety. And he had a revelation about service and power and authority and leadership. 
And as he watched the woman in black cleaning the icon, he realized that this was what his ministry was meant to be, a daily washing away from the face of Christ, all that obscured, all that distorted, all that blocked others from seeing his truth and goodness and beauty, including so much piety. Years ago, by accident, Nowen met a friend named uh, met, a, met a man named Fred, a journalist who wanted to write a novel. We had a saying in our family of origin when intrusive questions arose: "Are you a journalist or writing a book?" Well, Fred was the former and hoping to do the latter, but he feared a shift in vocation for all the usual suspect reasons. Henry, though, persisted in encouraging the man to leave his job and write his book. In fact, he went out of his way. Nowen procured him a grant at Yale to do so. So the man entered a new season of vocational discernment, and though he never finished the novel, he did find a deeper level of living, a sense of meaning, and in the bargain, a great lasting friend in Henry Nowen. We might pause to wonder a bit about our callings. Is this your final resting place in vocation? Where you are now, I mean. You have heard some sort of call and heeded, or you would not be where you are. But what about the next call? What about the second call? Is there a knocking at your spiritual door asking you to consider a second, another call? Fred was a good journalist, but he heard a second call to write and in hearing and in heeding, though not in his case in succeeding. He found himself closer to his own most self. Life is a series of invitations and a process of discernment. We might pause right now in front of God and everybody to wonder quietly for a moment about our own callings. Last year at commencement, we had a speaker who told about a second call. Not all commencement addresses need or even deserve remembrance. But hers had a diamond embedded in it, a treasure buried in a field. The speaker graduated from BU as an actress and went herself to La La Land. She did what aspiring actors do. She waited on tables for a year and another year and a third. Then she got a job, a part-time job, on the business side of show business. You know what? She liked it. And it liked her. And then she said, I looked at my acting career, lived out in waiting tables, and I made a decision. I decided my calling was to do something else. I decided to, here is the gem, I decided to edit my dreams. She decided to edit her dreams. So Nina Tassler, waitress, became over decades the head of CBS Entertainment. Sometimes a second call comes along and invites you to edit your dreams. Henry Nowen invited Fred to edit his dreams, and he did. Then Fred invited Henry to edit his dreams in this way. He asked Nowen to write a simple book, a conversation about the spiritual life in a secular world, a book for ordinary people, not academics, ordinary people, not clergy, ordinary people, not even religious people. This took Nowen out of his comfort zone, but out of that zone he went, and he wrote a book, The Life of the Beloved. Our gospel today, John 4, has a radiance of love within it, 
as does Nouwen's book. Here in brief is what Nouwen wrote, this esteemed Roman Catholic theologian, Yale academic, profoundly erudite priest. It is portable, what he wrote. You can take it with you and carry it home after the sermon and service. Just this, you are beloved, you are loved. God loves and God loves you. And you need not do anything to prove it, earn it, achieve it, or deserve it. You beloved. That is, in a single word, the life of the Spirit. Beloved. But of course, now and went on to develop this theme, the trails and traces of the Spirit in the single word. He put together a quadrilateral, what we can call the love quartet today. First, wrote Nouwen, to become beloved, to live as beloved. We need to acknowledge that we are taken, chosen, wanted, and be grateful for it. Second, to live as beloved, we want to acknowledge that we are blessed. You are precious in God's sight, blessed, beloved. As you are. Not as you might be later on, but right now, as you are right now. You claim your blessing through the practice of prayer and through attention to presence. So, my friends, two favorite words, awe, conversation. Well, there. Memorize a prayer or three, the Lord's Prayer, Wesley Table Graces, the prayer of Assisi. Third, to live as beloved, we want to acknowledge our brokenness, So now in writing, each human being suffers in a way no other human being suffers. Each human being suffers in a way no other human being suffers. It will not do to repress our sadness, our resentment, our fear, our anger. No, we are human, beloved human beings, and so are honest about our fractures. Now and then wrote about AIDS, a crucial subject in that time, 1992. To heal, we have to step toward our pain. Here we can all learn from the 12-step programs as long as we realize that there are many ways to be addicted that can have nothing to do with substances. You might be surprised to know that Nouwen's most personal example was his grief at the death of Leonard Bernstein. Fourth, we are given as beloved ones. We are loved, but not just for our own sakes. As Houston Smith, similarly an academic, similarly a theologian, though a Methodist, similarly a cleric, put it, thinking perhaps of Houston Smith's parents who were missionaries in China. We are in good hands, and so it behooves us to bear one another's burdens. When we enjoy others and with joy give ourselves to others and engage in enjoyment among others, then in reality we are given because we are giving. You only truly have what you give away. Starting and ending with your time. Here now and concludes and rightly by drawing us toward our own death and the way we give ourselves not just living but dying You remember my oops advice as we prepare for the end of life, O-O-P-S, obituary, order of worship, photograph, special papers. But now it means something more than that, writing. 
The spirit of love, once freed from our mortal bodies, will blow where it wills. Chosen, blessed, broken, given. Chosen, blessed, broken, given. Eternal life is the full revelation of what we have been and have lived all along. By grace, we too, you and I, have been chosen and set in time and space to live in faith. By grace, we too, you and I, have been blessed, sometimes with happiness and sometimes with loss, sometimes with fulfillment and sometimes with unrequited love. By grace, we too, you and I, in honesty, in confession, must add, we have been broken. Our brokenness best sung, perhaps, by Leonard Cohen. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. By grace, we too, you and I, have been given to be gifts and to become givers, to choose tomorrow, tomorrow, one pure act of kindness, to imagine it, plan it, pray over it, do it, and watch it recede in the rearview mirror. In the student union Thursday, a young pianist of limited ability but of great heart played a tune, the haunting, soulful tune you may have heard, remembered, from a current film. That phrase of music is the refrain from which the story takes wing and to which it returns moment by moment. As your life and soul life return again and again to the gospel, a spoken gift of faith, the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. A spring of water gushing up to eternal life. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
God of life, we praise you for your abiding presence from generation to generation, blessing your people, strengthening us to lives of service, empowering us to witness. Hear the prayers we offer on behalf of your creation. I will end each petition with, hear us, O God, and the response is, your mercy is great. O God, strengthen your church to do, the work, to do your work in the world. Remind us of your eternal presence so that we may share your peace and love with others. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. As Jesus' ministry shows us through his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, the good news is open to all despite gender or status as an outsider. During this Women's History Month, let us be thankful for the gifts, services, and contributions of women of all ages in the church, society, and the world. Grant us the wisdom and compassion to welcome and accompany strangers, immigrants, and refugees who seek safety, freedom, or new beginnings with acceptance, respect, and kindness. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Help us to maintain the balance of your creation by recognizing our interconnection with the entire earth. Enable us to recognize the ways that we create damage and give us hope to change our ways. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Draw leaders away from bitterness and into your ways of kindness and mercy. Help them to recognize injustice and act to correct it. Replace blame and malice with forgiveness and justice. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Sustain all whose journey feels too hard to bear. Restore the hope of all who despair. Comfort those who are poor, oppressed, persecuted, or homeless. Heal the sick and comfort the grieving, especially those we name before you now. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless this congregation that we may continue in your service to the community of Boston University and the city of Boston. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Grant that as we serve you now on earth, so we may one day rejoice with all the saints in your kingdom of light and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. It's great to be in worship with you, whether you're joining us here physically in person or via the radio or podcast. We'd love for you to get to know your neighbor a bit better and maybe learn their name and for us to get to know you a bit better. One way to do that is to fill out the red booklets that you find in the center of the aisles if you're here physically. You're also welcome to contact us either by phone at 617-353-3560 or by email at chapel at bu.edu. We'd love to get to know you a bit better and to learn your name. A few announcements this morning. First, this one's not in your bulletin, but on Wednesday from 3 to 4.30 p.m. in the atrium of Questrom School of Business, there'll be an international tea. All members of the community are welcome, and it's just a great opportunity for international tea and snacks. It should be a great event, and Chaplain Jessica Chica will be there as well. Um, Second, if you're joining the Women's Forum Luncheon after the service, we'd invite you to meet in the narthex that's right outside um, just after the service um, so that you can walk over together and you won't get lost on the way. Um, Last but not least, every Sunday that's not a communion Sunday, we have children's ministry um, after uh, service. So if you have any children or if you are one yourself, um, you're welcome to join uh, Mr. Devin Harvin uh, during the last hymn as he takes the children downstairs for some learning. Last but not least is the ushers wait upon us for our tithes and offerings and the choir offers their offering for God. We invite you to um, remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Creator of the universe, we thank you for everything we can give back into the systems and structures that we exist in, and we pray that our offerings and efforts will continue to have significant positive impact in the lives of our inclusive community of faith, our student communities, and the greater communities that we are a part of. As our ministries continue to embrace the grandeur and mysteries of our existences as beings grounded in you, may we reflect the love of the one whose ministry was a selfless outpouring of love, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>